It's good to have you. Um, so those of you, those good Catholics in the back of the church, um, you probably can't see this um, where you're sitting, but I actually have two different color shoes on. Um, my Chuck Taylor Converse, so I have a red one and a green one, and what's beautiful is I have another pair just like them. It's nice. Um, so thank you to the people of God who gave me these Chuck Taylors. And you know, uh, a lot of people kind of forget the, the symbolism maybe of the, the colors, the red and the green especially that we have at Christmas. And if you know anything about our Catholic faith, yeah, then you know that green for us as Christians is a sign of hope, right? Why is it a sign of hope? It's because when things grow in nature, they're green. It's a sign, kind of represents new life, yeah? Red, however, is a sign of blood. It's a sign of blood in the Holy Spirit. So it represents the sacrifice of Christ. This blood that he shed on the cross. And those of you that are moms, think about this for a second. That today we remember that Mary is holding this newborn child in her hands. And, it, you know, it always amazes me, by the way, for mothers, those of you that are moms, like, how on earth do you trim those little bitty fingernails? Oh my gosh. I mean, I know moms that kind of chew it off, and then other ones that say, oh no, Father, they got this little thing that does that. I'm like, I, we did not learn that in the seminary, trust me. But like, so here's Mary, and she's got this newborn child's little bitty hand, and yet 33 years later, she takes that child down from the cross, and she remembers that little bitty hand that is now this big that has a hole going right through it and is covered with blood. And there's no question in my mind that as she's seeing these holes in her son's hand, she's having a flashback to today. Mm. So that's what we remember, yeah? The red and the green. But it does kind of beg the question, if you don't mind, I mean, kind of begs the question, what is real love? Because if he comes, if, if it's true that God comes from a great distance to us today, well, what does that mean for us? You know, we hear this all the time, don't we? I love this and I love that. And I love anchovy pizza from Pete and Sam's. <laughs> I love the aisle seat on an airplane, right? I love this. I love Nutella. And trust me, I do love Nutella. I love these things, but what does it mean to love? So for us as Catholic Christians, it means this, that we are wishing what is best for the other before me. Says Thomas Aquinas, and that's what we believe. We're willing the good of the other, and that's exactly what we see today. I mean, think about this. If you don't mind me saying so, and I say this a lot to our people here this parish. Look, if you were never born, nobody would know. No offense, but including you. If you had never been born, no one would know, including you and me. Okay, the fact that you and I exist, that we're breathing air, is a gift that we don't think about because we've never known anything else. 
But you and I are here existing, which we didn't have to be. As if that weren't enough, Jesus comes and then he's here, and as if that weren't enough, then he dies on the cross. So what is real love? What does that mean? You know, it's funny, isn't it? Like when a couple meets each other, when they meet each other, and I have the blessing of being with couples a lot. When they meet each other, you know, they always put their best foot forward, right? And so they first meet each other. There's some things they don't tell the other person right up front. It's not like they go up to them and say, hey, how you doing? My name's Ben. I wear a CPAP machine when I sleep. I snore all night. Right? What's your sign, baby? <laughs> I mean, they're not saying these things, right? They're trying to put their best foot forward. But as time goes on, you learn a lot more about this person. Here's my point. Genuine love, I can promise you, I can promise you, you are going to have to tolerate things in the other person you never thought you would have to tolerate. And you are going to be asked to do things for the other person you never thought you would be asked to do. But in the process, we ourselves grow. We grow. Do you know that the average newborn baby uses eight diapers each day? Something else I had to look up. Okay? Getting up, those of you that are parents, you get up in the middle of the night because your child has a nightmare. You get up in the middle of the night because they're vomiting. You have to go and get them from school because they're sick, even though you have a presentation to give. Caring for an elderly parent who can't go to Walgreens to get a prescription. Why do we do these things? We do them because we love, even though it's not convenient. Well, neither was that. I can guarantee that wasn't. So again, let's go back to the question, what does it mean to really love? We're willing the good of the other first, but in the process we ourselves grow. You know, uh, I used to work at a parish here in Memphis uh, called St. Paul's, which I love. So I was uh, newly ordained, I was there with Father Mike in Whitehaven. And um, so for our Christmas card that year, we decided to take a picture, a reboot, of that movie, The Christmas Story, where Ralphie tries to convince his, his friend Flick to, like, put his tongue on the flagpole. So we go out, and I'm, we're standing in the, in the front yard of the convent, okay? So Father Mike is there, and he's, he's stuck his tongue to the flagpole, and I'm standing over him, and I'm like, I double-dog dare you. So just as I said that and they were taking the picture, I looked over Father Mike's shoulder and there's six nuns in the window. <laughs> and they're just looking and they're thinking, these are our new priests? Lord help us, right? So about an hour later, one of the nuns comes up to me and she says, Father, what's your name? And I said, Father Joe Sachs. Yep. It's funny the things we do for love, yeah? But we, it, was, it was actually a very beautiful moment because we, we come and we got to know these sisters and I got to know some of these sisters, got very close with them. Love these sisters. And many of them have left everything, everything for love. 
some of them from other countries, and they're here at Christmas. When someone dies back home, they're gone. When someone, they have a wedding back home, they can't go. They leave it all. Jesus says this about love. He says, everyone who saves his life is going to lose it, but if you lose your life, you're going to find it. Well, that sounds nice. Father, what does that mean? It means this. If you really want to find happiness, give it up. Live for someone in something bigger than you that will go on after you. Begs a question. Let's keep following this love theme, if you don't mind. What does it mean to love ourselves? If we've established that authentic love is living for someone else, that's the message of today. What does it mean to love yourself? Jesus says, hey, love one another as you love yourself. What does that mean? You know what I think, my humble opinion, it means at a certain point in our life that we come to a decision where we think, I gotta have some answers. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm miserable, but like, what is life all about? Because here's the truth, and if you don't remember anything that I tell you this morning, maybe just something to leave with. If you want to find happiness and peace, it's not in finding the answers. It's in asking the right questions. Finding happiness and peace is not in finding the answers. It's finding, asking the right questions. Why? Because we'll never find the right answers if we're not asking the right questions first. What are the right questions, Father? There's three of them. Who am I? Who am I? There's eight billion people on the planet, folks. Everybody in this church this morning has a different fingerprint. That must mean that we're unique. How are you any different than the other eight billion people on the planet? Who am I? Really, who am I? What makes you different? Number two, what are you called to do in this life before you die? What's your legacy? Whatever you want to call it. Are we just here to write another MLG and W check and one day we fill a pine box in Calvary Cemetery? Is that what life is about? Or could it be that what we do matters? Better yet, could it be that what you do has an impact on others that will go on, make ripple effects after you're gone? Who am I? What am I called to do? Finally, what happens to us when we die? Where will everybody here be 200 years from now? 2,000 years from now? 200,000 years from now? Or do we just dissolve into the great abyss? Or could it be that there's an immortal soul in each one of us that will never die? These are not Catholic questions I'm asking. You know what? These are human questions. The Catholic Church has a lot to say the, about them. But here's the thing. Whether we were Buddhist, Hindu, Protestant, Jew, Gentile, atheist, Catholic, Father, I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, I don't trust organized religion, whatever. Whatever you are or are not. I can guarantee you this. If you don't answer those three questions, 
You're not going to be happy. Who am I? It's a whole thing, this thing we call life. What happens to me after I die? That's the, that, that's the essence of what it means that Jesus comes and he lives among us. And I'll close with this because I'll keep talking. And at some point you want to go eat. So in 2002, in the summer of 2002, I was uh, living in Omaha, Nebraska. And I was uh, there studying at Creighton University. And um, I did my pastoral training. I was working at a memory care facility called Parsons House. I loved working at Parsons House. So they had people with full dementia, full Alzheimer's, and everything in between. And if you've ever worked with someone with Alzheimer's, you know that they can get a little hostile at times. They often forget things. They need help doing basic things. So during my time there, I loved it. Went there three days a week. And I got to know this couple. I'll just call them uh, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. I never once went to go see Miss Johnson, who had Alzheimer's, and her husband was not there all the time. He was always with her. She had no idea who, who he was. And so I showed up at the end of my time, I showed up on their 60th wedding anniversary. I showed up and I walked in and Mr. Johnson wasn't there. And I was like, that's weird, he's always here. And I sat down with her and the door flies open, here's Mr. Johnson, dressed to the nines. Man, he looked like sharp. Had a big bundle of flowers. And he goes up to Miss Johnson and he says, ma'am, would you like to go on a date? Can I, would you, would you like to go on a date? She's like, yeah. And he turns to me and he says, Father Ben, would you, would you excuse us for a bit? And I was like, yeah. So I step out of the room. For the next hour, Mr. Johnson bathes his wife, dresses his wife, did her hair, put on her makeup for her, strapped her into the wheelchair, pushed her down the hallway into the dining room, and he had prepared ahead of time a candlelight dinner. And the two of them sat there alone in the dining room having a candlelight dinner on their 60th wedding anniversary. And as I'm standing outside looking in, in the windows, there's a whole line of the, of the workers, whole line of people. And every single one of them is staring in the window, just staring at this, like, wow. Man, that's so romantic. You could just see it in these young couples. That's what I want. That's what I want. So, gentlemen, can I ask you, would you be willing to do your wife's hair and put her makeup on? Ladies, would you want them to? All right. Because love always means we're going to have to tolerate things we didn't know we were going to tolerate, and we're going to have to do things we never thought we could do or would do or would want to do. And yet, in that process, you're changed. You're changed. You become what we call a better human being. That's what it's all about. 